Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of We Should Have Recorded That with Phil and Adam. Hey Adam. Hi Phil. You know what, um, now that we've gone to a monthly publishing schedule, which I, I'm mm-hmm. liking very much, except that it means I get to see you less frequently, um, I feel like I've lost my rhythm. That when it's... I say, Adam, as you know, like, we should have recorded that with Phil and... Right. Adam. Adam! You know, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've lost my rhythm, so I will, uh, I'll just need to remember from month to month the timing of my name right i mean i may need to write down my intro my intro too because i you know i want to say hello y'all or how y'all doing you know i want to switch it up but i want you know i want to be consistent consistency i think our audience appreciates that but i mean it's like any endeavor including a musical endeavor right if you don't practice Mm -hmm. in between your lessons you're not going to get better and (laughs) i i i don't know if this will be uh uh a disappointment to you or a relief, Phil, but uh-huh. I'm not recording a podcast with anyone else, so I don't practice in between our rec- oh, our, I'm, our lessons. I'm so, I'm so hurt to hear that you're not recording a podcast with anyone but, else. But on the good side, I'm not cheating on you. It's exactly. I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> that was sarcasm. That was oh, sarcasm. I, I didn't. <laughs> it's final exams week here phil okay and so my brain is a little um yes you know the so the right. english the words the thing the, 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 the talking yeah dear audience if i don't make sense just remember it's not my fault it's the fault <laughs> of finals <laughs> yes having to test all your students well so let's get right into it really quick before we get to our guests who I'm very eager to convert converse with today. If you <laughs> to all are convert. Enjoying... Yes, we have to convert him. <laughs> Chandler, have you met the Lord? <laughs> I have. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people. I'm not going to be <laughs> so I... Oh, man. But, yes, before we speak with our guest today, um, if you are enjoying our conversations, please, please... Um, Share a note. Um, I know people have been watching the videos, even as we've gone to a um, more uh, spread schedule, fewer fewer episodes. People are still checking us out. So if you enjoy us, please let us know. We would love to hear from you. Amen. So, so Adam, so Phil, who are we talking to today? Uh, we are very excited to welcome back. For the second time, one of our favorite podcast guests from the fall, the one, the only, Mr. Chandler Smith. Woo! Oh, favorite. Welcome to So, okay, I have a question. I have a question. Go ahead. How, how, what, uh, who's the guest with the most appearances? Hmm. Have we had any guests with more than two? I was just thinking that I don't think so. Other than, <gasps> well, we have guests who have two appearances, um, right? But, but none with more than two. So Chandler, you're now okay, joining so the two timers club. Yes. 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 Excellent. Absolutely. So um, yes. Chandler, would you remind us though who you are and what you do for any of our audience who might not 
have, much to their detriment, listened mm-hmm. to the previous episode you were on. Sure. Uh, I'm uh, Chandler Smith. I am from, obviously, oh, well, you know, you don't know this. I don't know why I said obviously. I'm from Mississippi, <laughs> and I teach a uh, high school choir in a rural high school in Mississippi. Actually, it's my high school that I went to, so that's kind of neat to be able to roam the halls now on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I had the privilege, I had the privilege of being uh, one of Dr. Potter's students. And then also I had the privilege of being a choir member with Phil. So it was, it's, it's great. I always have a fun time coming here and I always learn something. That's my favorite thing. I go through and do, um, if you're not learning, you're dying. So yes, I always try to be learning. Yes, that is true. Lifelong learning. Lifelong learning and anyone who isn't committed to lifelong learning. Yeah. Honestly, like, oh, what are they doing? Also, with their lives? like, I can't imagine doing the same thing over and over again if it's ineffective or if there's a better way out there. Does that make right. sense? Yes. Yeah. Like, why? That's like, why would you beat your head against the wall if, in fact, there is a better way? Well, and that's the that. thing, right? If you find yourself beating your head against the wall, that is the indication that yes, there must be. A be a better, better way. way right so yes. go find the better way whatever you're doing right like if you're selling life insurance and you're beating your head against the wall there must be a better way if you're collecting garbage and you're beating your head against the wall mm-hmm. there must be a better <clears throat> way okay i'm done i think conversations like these that we're having about well like we're going to have is what i miss about college yes so Mm. in college you are constantly inundated with the tiny minute details of your Mm -hmm. field and like Mm -hmm. you're just inundated with your field constantly and now i have to be like no you cannot charge your computer in the middle of my class or like (laughs) i'm i'm doing things outside of of the choir stuff right so that was that's been one of the things that i miss the most about college just yes. talking out just the conversations is these conversations yeah phil would you agree i i would agree i think uh yeah i've i've yeah i've, I've shared that with you off um air that i'm you know i'm still kind of looking for that and uh yes. so yeah but i to add a little bit to what we were talking about with the bumping your head against the wall i think a lot of people get comfortable you know mm. whether 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 they get comfortable with the the pain it's just like you know yeah. with anything we get yes. like desensitized you can, the the you know it's so crazy how the how our body will adjust to um whatever illness or whatever we kind of gradually get used to being in pain and so that you yeah. know that that's why people don't change because i've been doing it like this i'm okay i'm still here and yeah, yeah it, it hasn't it, it they haven't they need to be i don't know like um, I guess hit harder or just realize that the way the pain that you're feeling pain. And if you change how you're, you know, going about this, that pain will go away. Yes. It's the, it's the matter, right? Of the age old good, but unfamiliar mm-hmm. versus bad and familiar, right? Mm, familiar yeah. can feel warm and fuzzy, even when it's right. bad. Right. Whereas good can feel really uncomfortable. Just, not because it's bad, but because it's unfamiliar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will just add to, to you know, uh, ditto what both of you have said. Like, I am still 
in academia, right? I'm still living in the ivory tower and I'm like one of those <laughs> like privileged elites who's still teaching at the college level, right? Like I I am this, I, like, I, how do I put it? Like part of me r- recognizes the absurdity of what I do because I am just so, I am just so bizarrely privileged to be able to do what I do, like live in this rarefied world. Uh, The other part of me, though, wants to recognize what a gift that is. Um, But even me, with the gift of living in that rarefied world, I, like, in my case, and I am one of one choral conductors, right? And and even at even at really really big schools, you are one of two, three, or four choral conductors. So um, it is always good, even though I'm very privileged to be surrounded by orchestral conducting colleagues and clarinetists and singers and all of that stuff. It is always so good to be in a room, even if it's on Zoom, with other choral music educators. I agree. I think yes. that's why conference is like conferences are such mm. a decompress not decompression but it's revitalization of why yes. we do it and what we're doing because you're picking all this other stuff up from all these other people and it it becomes this whole like whoa I'm going to go back and try that or that sounds cool or like yes you know what let's just talk about what's going on in your life how you you know yes. that's the best part yes and people will understand people who yes. right you just jump forward in the relationship right like because they understand your daily work and they understand the daily struggles and like ah it's so good and also i will say this you know um like the general public i've i've said this often about the general public and how um something that can frustrate a musician is how the general public doesn't really understand the difference between good and great they Mm -hmm. the general public understands the difference between between bad and good Mm-hmm. But they do not discern the difference between good and great. The longer I am in this business, the more convinced I am that actually <laughs> even professional musicians who are not choral musicians are really bad at discerning between good and great. Mm-hmm. So you are. It is really refreshing to be around people who are like, mm, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no. I only accept great. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent agree. I can tell. So, like, I'll show recordings to my students, and this choir will do this amazing decrescendo with a lovely shadow vial together, and I'll be like, mm-hmm. "Y'all, did y'all just hear that?" And I'll gush with this yes. huge like awesomeness, and they're like, "What? They just got quieter." And I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, y'all know how hard it is to do that. And they just perform that very well. That's why. So I find one of my responsibilities as a choir, like as a music educator and as a choral music educator Mm -hmm. is to expose my students to what is good and why this is impressive and why this we should respect this. Yes. Yes. It's so important. And there is nothing as gratifying, right? Like you've had these moments, Chandler, you've had these moments, Phil, when your students will tell you that they've listened to a piece of choral music. Ah, yay, that is so exciting. And when they've listened to it, they 
They haven't just enjoyed it, and it wasn't just cool or rad or no, not rad. People don't say that. But what? <laughs> whatever you know, whatever it was. What do the young people say these days? I've been saying recently that things are a bop because people keep telling me they like the music that's a bop. Anyway, I'm done. Uh, but when your students are like, I loved this recording. And here's the reason why, and it's a very specific choral skill that you are desperately trying to get them to understand themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's why I became a teacher. Right? Yeah, it it is really cool. I, I mean that uh, the the dynamic contrast is the the thing that I'm really working on with my elementary students right mm -hmm. now because like we can sing the right notes. Guys, but just singing it like this and the whole time you're just talking like this, that's not interesting. And it's it's not we can make it more beautiful. And so so yeah, it's been um I'm looking forward to this Sunday. We're singing I Want to Walk as a Child of the Light. Um yes. in unison. There's a unison. Uh-huh, yes. And um and I'm really trying to, to convey, you know, to them like when you sing this Jesus, it's 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 precious. It's, so it's, we sing mm -hmm. it, you know, bring it back. You don't sing Jesus. You don't sing. You, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I want to get, um, and so I, I say that as, a, as an example, but Chandler, you asked a question before we started. Yeah. And, okay, so Wait, before, I did. I wanted before to, we, oh, okay. I just want to say this. For the sake of full disclosure to our audience, our audience is a really intelligent group of people, so they probably figured this out already. But, dear audience, we have no agenda. We normally plan <laughs> these episodes. We have an episode guide, whatever. But with Chandler, we're just like, we're just going to talk. We're just going to yeah. have a conversation. And we are really getting back to our roots here. We should have recorded that. was inspired right. by the spontaneous conversations we had. Yes. That in retrospect, we're like, wow, there was a lot of wisdom there. There were really good perspectives shared there. Too bad we don't have a record of that. Well, right. we knew that that's the kind of conversation we would have would have with Chandler. So yes. we're just we're just having a conversation. Chandler, exactly. what was your question? Okay, so I wanted to pose this question to get your opinions. Okay, I teach in a rural high school in rural Mississippi, um, and I am. How do you build? a choral culture in a community that is otherwise not receptive to that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the main, the main part of this. Okay. So I have been, I am having some successes building that with the kids because I, I, I will throw in like a pop song or something and then connect it with some choral music. Mm -hmm. I, and so I, I can build that stuff with the kids, but I, I'm finding it a challenge to try and convince a community that is basically sports, 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 sports. How do I make them see the value in why we do the music education part and build that kind of choral community? Yes. So I just didn't, I just wanted to know what y'all thought about that. Yeah. So you are, I just want to make sure I understand your question. And I said off the air, I don't have answers, but we're going to talk. Um, you are asking not how do I create a choral culture for my students? But instead, how do I get my students' parents to value what we're doing? Yeah? Yes. Okay. And because I don't want to sound like, oh, I'm better than you. You should know Bach or you should know Mozart or why should we be? Like, I don't want mm -hmm. to be that, that dude that's like, well, this is classical music. You should know this. This is art sophistication. But I want them to be <gasps> like, you know, 
I enjoyed that Bach. That was really nice. Like, I want them to find some meaning in it without me coming off as pretentious. Yes, yes, absolutely. Apologies for B. She's seeing something outside. Um, oh, that's a welcome. That's a welcomed um, interruption. You missed B, didn't you, Phil? I I do. I'm sometimes. Yeah, she's what sometimes. <laughs> yes. Um. Okay. Well, I was sharing Chandler, and I'll say it again for the sake of our audience. Now that we're recording, um, you know, my first teaching job was in a rural school, and I remember feeling that same thing. Um, the advantage, Chandler, that you and I had or you have and i had was that it although it is a disadvantage to be in environment in an environment like that we grew up in places that were like that you grew up like literally in the same place so that attitude at least didn't catch us by surprise and so that is really helpful i remember kind of um first of all right i say this about so many issues or problems that might arise in our profession but i really believe it it is about relationship building it is a right it is about building those relationships and i remember a really useful tool that i was able to use in building my relationships was talking about growing up on the farm right like waking up and milking cows with like with my parents like the kind of having that the the bona fides of mm -hmm. uh, look at me i'm such an academic now i'm not even pronouncing <laughs> it the american way but, but i was like a bona fide rural farm boy who now was the choir director at the high school so um building those relationships with my students parents by, by, partially by including elements of my own biography that hopefully they could relate with. Yeah. I also think one of the advantages I found with me being from mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. is that I nothing's gonna nothing's gonna pop up on me, and so I know what's gonna happen most of the time yeah. if I plan something, and so I can plan for it or even spin it in a way to try and get like for example, um, I uh, made it a point to uh, talk to the football coach's wife mm -hmm. and try and get a relationship with her, yes. and so she invited the choir to go sing the Star Spangled Banner at the football game. Yeah. And so then it's like, whoa, they're singing this. They're like, they're all, and they all had their like, like the cheerleaders had their cheerleader uniform on when we yep. did it and all this. And so it showed them that like, and we also, I worked really hard and they sounded, they sounded, I was proud of the way they sounded. They sounded really good. And everybody was impressed. And so that was a way that I knew I could work my way in yep. just a little to try and get that. Yes. I'm, Which helped. It's exactly right. And it went right back to relationship building, didn't it? Um, you know, and we can complain all day about the fact that the football game doesn't have to justify its mm -hmm. value to the community. Yes. But the choir that sings the national anthem at the football game does have to justify. The marching band that plays the halftime show does have to justify. Right? We can complain all day about that stuff, 
And would we be wrong? No. No, we wouldn't. Or we can channel that energy into something productive and use the situation to our benefit. Well, I wish that my choral program was taken as a given. The value was taken as a given the same way the football team is. But since it isn't, I will go to the thing that is taken as a given. The football game. And we will sing mm. there. Yeah. I, and I think one of the things that um, Chandler, you touched on, and Adam, we both experienced being um, a part of your core program is that our concerts were not all Latin, um, you know, sacred music. You know, it, I mean, because like as even as musicians, I think yeah, we would have yes. got tired of that. And so yes. you're not going to, um, you know, you're not going to d demonstrate to the community how important it is by, you know, not performing music that will be appealing to the community. You know, not yes. that we, you know, so not that we're just doing um, whatever's on a, a whole concert of what's, whatever's on the radio, but um, a diverse concert, though. Yeah, program. I mean, programming is so important. I tell my methods class this every year, and so both of you have heard me give this lecture. Or, you know, like, the most important decision I make the whole year long, more important than choosing who's in the choir, more important than leadership structure, more, and I mean, like, I, all of these things are important. They are crucial, but more important than my assessment techniques, more important, dare I say it, even than music literacy skills, m the most important decision I make all year is before I've even met the students, before even the first day of class when I have chosen the repertoire. It I agree. is crucial. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I we shouldn't pander, right? Like, our students and our students parents are not listening to choral music in all likelihood so if we were to pander to their musical tastes we would only be doing like exclusively arrangements usually bad <laughs> arrangements yeah. of stuff that's on the radio and so you know like throwing in some of that is fine Finding there's so much great choral music being written that is both educational and entertaining. Mm -hmm. I um, so my my high school used to have a show choir back in my day, mm -hmm. and uh, it was disbanded at some point, and we focused just on concert choir. And I, in order to try and build that relationship and move that with the community, because the community absolutely loves show choir because it's show choir. And so they really loved it. And so they'd been, when I got the job, they constantly asked me, are you going to start back show choir? Because you were in show choir. Are you going to start back show choir? And I was like, mm -hmm. uh, not show choir. So I have turned it into a pop acapella group yeah. because I can still find choral, ed choral ensemble education stuff in yep. the pop acapella arrangements yes. but it's still pop music and so i'm yep. finding that that is a really good connection segue in between the two absolutely that's helping helping mm -hmm. a lot absolutely okay i have a question about rep 
I'm about to tell you this, and I think it is crazy, and it's over-programmed, but I am going to do it. Okay, you'll see what I'm talking about. Okay, so okay. one day, one day, one day we had um, some ter- some weather that was incoming, and so I was not going to see all my classes that day. I just saw my first and second block, and I was like, you know what, We're just, I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to see everybody, so I'm not going to, like, rehearse on some of the music we were doing. So I passed out Only in Sleep by Eric Essenvaltz just to be like, you know, mm-hmm. and we've never done eight parts. We've never done anything like that. The most we've done is six parts. And so I was like, let's just try this. Yep. And I showed them my kids, and my kids were like, this is so pretty. I want to sing this. This is so – and they were instantly, like, like gobsmacked that they could sound yes. like that. And they and so we started to sight read it. We started to read it, and we're doing this and doing this. And um, I, they were not doing bad. Like they weren't, yeah. I was like, okay. And so I, I passed it out and like, we're gonna, we probably, we will, tr- we will attempt to try it because all of them were like, I want to sing this. I want to yeah. sing this. I want to sing this. And I, and I'm like, I know, I know this is hard. And I know this is probably like, if this is the line of your capability, it's probably like really far out there, but they're, they want to go for it. And so yeah. I think I'm going to try and provide that. How well, how far, like, what is a good rule of thumb to try and find a piece that is just outside their should I find a piece that is just outside their skill level and push them or should I find a piece that's like way out of their skill level and just try it like what do you find is most effective Mm. this is my bias and I don't have like research to back this up but I find pieces that are just outside the skill level not a big leap um that's yeah. what j- just as an example i have been in this is my uh 13th year as a conductor and this is my seventh year teaching in higher ed um uh, like as a professor and i just this spring conducted my first bach motet like Phil was not here at Roberts when the choir was capable of that. I could not have programmed it. Well, okay, I could have programmed it, and it would have been. It would have happened, right? It would have happened. We would not have had yeah. to stop in the middle of the piece, but it would not have been artistically satisfying because they didn't have the skills yet. So over the course of the five years I've been here, I have had to slowly push that envelope. And I was delayed in pushing that envelope by COVID and singing 12 feet apart mm-hmm. with masks. But, but finally, I, you know, I felt like, okay, I have the group that has had enough choral experiences that they can handle this. Um, so that's been my... That's been my experience but i don't claim that that's the only experience i don't claim that's the that is the one way to do it yeah and would uh, you say the Eschenvaults is significantly outside your choir's ex- skill level well okay so i went through and looked at it and it's it's not okay it's not as big a leap as i thought mm-hmm. um it looks way harder than it actually is. Yes. The only part that I'm worried about is the soloist because yep. it's a huge part and right. it's this huge, and they have to have this thing. And I'm thinking like high school students trying to sing that. And so that's the only issue that I'm thinking that that's the only one, that's the only part. But, um, and they, they didn't know, 
last week at my concert, um, I'd known about this for about a week. So in 2020, sorry, let me just, okay, long tangent. In okay. 2020, the old director was at um, my high school and she left, but she had a play, uh, she had a New York trip uh, planned for November of 2020 to, uh, or November of whenever, 2021 maybe? Anyway, uh, COVID stopped it. And so that was on hold. That I mean, that just went away. And um, so I was like, well, I, I, we got to, I got to do this. So um, we were reinvited to go sing uh, at, uh, it's going to be Lincoln Center probably, mm. um, with uh, Eric Whitaker in yep. April. Yep. And so my kids didn't know this. And so all of a sudden I start to do all of these cluster exercises for warmups. And I'm like doing up and down the soul yes. edge. I'm like, all right, hold all these clusters. Now one, three, five and eight, you sing. And it comes out of major chord and we're practicing tuning. And they were like, this is so cool. This is, and they were getting it. They were getting the clusters way better than I thought they were going to get it. And I was like, okay, maybe we can do only in sleep if you're able to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, like they were holding the seconds way better than yeah. I, I thought they would. Yeah. And so I don't know. It is outside. It is outside of their skill level. Hmm. But it's less than I thought. Like, I thought this was going to be like, there's no way. There's no way we could ever attempt it. But they mm-hmm. started, like, they were, re- I was enjoyably surprised with the amount of skill that they were picking up. Or the amount of skill that they showed that they could do. Like, I was just like, oh, yeah, you do that. Okay. That's Isn't it a great feeling? As a teacher, yes, oh, it it is absolutely so. It's absolutely the best. This week is my uh, choir auditions. This whole week, mm-hmm. and so um, I've been doing individuals, and they've been coming in and sight singing for me, range and some other things. Anyway, I have seen kids who I did not think knew how to sight read come in and nail it, and I was like, "What? Yes. Where? I, I didn't know you could do. I mean, yes, I know you're in my classroom, but I, I, so it it." it made me feel like, okay, maybe I'm doing something good. Like yes. maybe, maybe I'm doing something right if they were. Yeah. Okay. The only, I'm sorry that I'm talking so much and keep going, but <laughs> you are, I, okay. Speaking, you're supposed to. <laughs> okay. So speaking of that, I have noticed this. Okay. Um, a lot of my up, a, a lot of my upperclassmen, 11th, 12th graders, they did sight reading. Great. Like they did the rhythm and the pitch and everything. A lot of my ninth and 10th graders who were moving up, did all the right pitches but did not do the right rhythm they sang everything like quarter notes so so and so it like number one uh, auditioning this way allowed me to get a bear it was a barometer of where i'm at like what like i was able to go okay i've got to pay attention to rhythm i've got to like how do i so my question is what are they missing or what am i doing that's not effective for them uh, that is so typical. So you shouldn't feel bad about that. That is just okay. Integrating rhythmic with tonal skills is 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 really difficult. The only thing that I can say is spend more time isolating rhythm only. Right? Like, do okay. you spend a lot of time on rhythm patterns, or is it really mostly tonal patterns? No, really mostly tonal patterns. Yeah. Because I know how hard tonal is. Like. Yes. Yeah, and so and the now other thing you're is, just, you're just seeing that. Oh wow! For yes. some of these kids, especially my less experienced singers, the rhythm is also hard. Even though for me, I mastered that so much more quickly. That was so, so long ago, right? Yeah, and yes. you're a percussionist and, and I, too, so like you totally that's what don't I was have sympathy say. for them. <clears throat> I, I yeah, so like, and I find myself there'll be not a complex rhythm, 
to me, but it will be to them. And I'll just be like, why aren't y'all getting this? Like, I don't, I don't, like, I will find myself in a, in a moment where I'm like, it just comes second nature to me. Sometimes I find one of, I think one of my weaknesses as a teacher is that I find it hard to break it down into its simplest forms now in order to teach it. It's really difficult for me. Like, and I think high school is the sweet spot for me for right now. That's like, okay, so I can break it down for a high schooler. Like I am a terrible, terrible (laughs) middle school director. Do you hear me? Terrible. Because I don't, because I make a lot of assumptions and just assume that they know how to do this. And then they're like, what's a quarter note? (laughs) And so, and so like, like I forget this stuff and just keep going. And then we end up with a lot of gaps in their knowledge. But, you know, but I, I find that a challenge. But but Chandler, the thing, but what's funny to me is that what's exciting for me as an elementary school teacher, so I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? You're, you're getting your students ready to go to college. Um, and I'm like, you know, we're like, we just need to move to the steady beat and keep the steady beat and learn how to, you know, find your voice, find your singing mm-hmm. voice. Can mm-hmm. you slide with me? But what I what I'm at what I'm finding in like fashion is that as we're doing these things, as we keep going, though that is it's second nature to them, and they can they can do more. They will be able to do more. I you know as they spend five years with me, or or even the the first three or that that fourth year they're i mean they're ready to do more you know than maybe i i even thought they could i mean we we could yeah. sing mixed meter you know because yes. we because yeah. it's it's really about beat function we feel, feel the beat when the beat breaks up when the beat changes we just feel it you know it's yep. it's, it's 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 they they'll be able to do more and so um so yeah, I'm, yeah, I just I got excited and lost my train of thought. But so. you're you're totally right, Phil. Right, like Chandler is getting students ready for college, mm-hmm. and middle school teachers are getting students ready for high school, and elementary school teachers are getting students ready for middle school. And guess what? If the elementary school teacher doesn't get the students ready for middle school, and the middle school teacher doesn't get the students ready for high school, and the high school teacher doesn't get ready the students ready for college, it is still the job. Of whoever yes. <laughs> is there to get their students ready for where they are, right? Yes. So Chandler wishes that you were teaching his students who he'll have in six years. Yes. Right? And I want every single one of my students to come from Chandler's school. But yes. And we'll never have that luxury. We will never have that luxury. We have to meet our students where they are. And some of them will come to us unprepared. But yeah. one of my favorite, one of my favorite Carol, Dr. Carol Gruger coats mm-hmm. is I teach elementary school music at elementary. I teach elementary school music at middle school. I teach elementary yes. school music at college. I teach elementary school music in graduate level. Like yes. she talks about these skills that they're lacking yeah. in gaps yes. and stuff. And she says that. And I try to take that into account. I have a question, Phil. Okay. How do you stay artistically and musically satisfied and motivated teaching a steady beat or teaching a quarter note because no i say this because it was a hard time for me transitioning from college performer choir college performer and doing all of these like huge monumental works and these huge like nice chords and everything to 
let's just sing in unison. Let's sing in four-part <laughs> harmony. Like, And it was a struggle for me to try and find artistic meaning in that. I eventually found it. But So, like, I can't imagine trying to go, let's just try and be on steady beat. I, like, I, that baffles me. So how do you stay motivated or, like, yeah, I got. I think I got your question. The okay. two things. One, <clears throat> you just focus on that principle in the music, right? So, like they, we, um, you know, we could be. I think one of the pieces we did um, last year, and we we you eventually like put this on like just rhythm things. Like they just found things that made sound and put it on rhythm. Was um, Hall of the Mountain King, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Bum, 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 bum. Like, but like, just, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, certain things. I'm just like, is this exciting? And is it fun? And it, and like, and the, the, so the second thing, so like I said, focusing on just steady beat and then can you, you know, move whenever you hear the sound. But then the second thing, like, they are, if they are excited, it excites me. You know, so like they okay. enjoyed playing to that. They enjoyed just, you know, what a, following that and, and moving to it. And so that excited me. Of course, like I've I've taught, I teach, you know, older students individually. And so to be able to go into a lesson and, you know, like we are able to, you know, just to, to, to keep, I'm able to keep, you know, keep going. That is, it's de- definitely, and I guess maybe in another way, um, fulfilling i would i don't want to i guess more fulfilling may be the may be like a disparaging term you know in comparison but i think like you know figuring out like okay we're gonna focus on the steady beat and i can use michael jackson's thriller i can like i said i can use um you know what is the nutcracker we could use the 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 sweets from the nutcracker I, i'm th- i'm uh what is it the the fluff I can't think. I can't. I'm sorry with words today. <laughs> no, it's okay. We get it. Tchaikovsky. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Something. The and and so yeah. But finding those, you know, focusing on just just moving to this, or it it is it's so crazy. Like Dr. Kruger helped me with this as well. Like and even um, just with the like, where do I start? Type of fear. But you know, like um, um, again, we are going. We don't, we teach sound before sight, mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. theory. Yes. And yes. so like, if they can sing it, if they can, if they can mimic me, the rhythm, then we put some type of symbol to it. Yeah. And if they can sing the pitches, then we put some type of line to it. We want to see the highs and the lows. Cause again, even high school students or college students, they see the pitches go up and they do not know that they need to sing higher. I probably struggled with that, you know, too. Uh, but the like, but so like those type of things. And, and, and it's so amazing how my uh, pre-K four students can grasp though, you know, like in those bits they can do twinkle twinkle little star and we make a picture out of it and 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 that's and that's again they're enjoying it so it 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 is fulfilling to me long yeah. way to answer i'm sorry no no that's that's perfect i yeah. i find that i think that's that's where the transition happened is when you know my kids did their first crescendo really nice and really well and i was like <gasps> like i got the endorphin rush that i used to get on stage and so that's where that transition mm-hmm. happened it, 
that that's that's great. That's I think yeah, I agree. I agree. It's finding their when they get it. It's right. when they get yes. it. Yeah. I I um I've like I said, we've we've been doing icons and I've gone we started I've started using the icon to again, so like the undivided beat. What gets the undivided beat? You know, mm-hmm. if a quarter note gets the undivided beat, what will get the divided beat? In simple meter, we will divide the beat by an eighth note because that's what divides a quarter note. Teaching that, this one little girl in my class, she's a very great musician. I, next year, I really hope she will have the confidence to conduct one of the um, a group. She's a, she will be a fourth grader, but she's such a, I think she's a really great musician. She ate that up. She was really, like, she was so engaged as we were talking about that. And I, I, could, I, could, I'm, I could see that picture in my mind, the way she turned around towards the board as I, I was talking about this. And she's, she eats it up. Like, she, this past, um, this past Monday, we were rehearsing. Again, we were rehearsing for Sunday. She wasn't able to make one choir rehearsal, but she came to the later choir rehearsal because she knows that, you know, she knows I need her to be there, but I think she wants to be there. And so, like, you know, like, again, you know, like having, having, seeing that, it was that, again, that's just, yeah, seeing that in them is, uh, is fulfilling. Okay, can I tell you one of my favorite parts of this? Yes, Okay, please. so I teach... <laughs> Okay, so my program for the for a really long time is has been about music literacy and reading everything and doing all this. My favorite part is they don't know. We're to the point now that they don't know if there's any other way to do it. And yes. so like they just expect like my when I go to like when I take my kids to like um uh, an honor choir or SICC or something like that. Uh, sorry, Southern University of Southern Mississippi Invitational Conference, mm-hmm. anyway, where they go and sing with this mass choir, and um, they sit down, they get their music, and they're like, "Can we self edge this?" And I was like, "Yes, you may self edge that, <laughs> please." And please. like, like they they have no idea, they have no idea, and then you, it's really apparent when like they're in rehearsals and they're sitting next to people from other other high schools and other choirs, and they're like, they didn't know how to do anything like this, and I was like. You're welcome, and when you get a scholarship, <laughs> yes. when you get a scholarship, yes. and you can go sing in college, you can come back and thank me because we, I taught you about process, right. and the process is slow in the beginning, but it's quick at the end. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, it's quick. It's I mean, so true. And you're right on both. You're right on both counts. It is gratifying when you finally get to the place where you, uh, you know, like. It's sight reading day after a concert, and so like the pianist knows not to show up because she's not going to be allowed to play anything anyway, and <laughs> the choir doesn't need to be told what to sing on. They're singing on solfege, so like, that is the best. That's just like head up, okay, open up this piece of music from the beginning, and they know what to do. It's amazing. Another part that I've noticed through these choral auditions that I'm doing. So they're sight reading and they get done with their sight reading and they're doing they're like they just sight read the dots off of it. And I went I, I turned and looked at like she's a freshman and I didn't know she could do this like this and she just sings and I turned and looked at her, I said, Do you realize that I played none of that and you just read that all by yourself? Mm-hmm. And you could see that she felt this huge amount of pride and empowerment. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. You could go to any hymnal you wanted to right now and mm-hmm. read that. Yep. And she was like 
Really? I was like, yeah, I didn't play any of it. You did that. I didn't do exactly. it. You did it. And but, so, like, this whole it's – this, it's this positive empowerment. And yes. I, I, think, I think the most people who do not teach with this focus, they're scared because it's slow in the beginning. Yes. They're scared. It it's slow. Patience. Yep. And, and you're, you have all this pressure. I've got a concert. I've got all this blah, 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 blah. Yep. And so they're scared. But if they would just like jump in and just go for it, I think they would be thoroughly surprised when they're like your freshmen you started are seniors and literally you could throw anything and they can just read it. Like, right. Yes. And you're, and you're able to work on the, you're able to work on beautifying it versus yes. just making sure that they sing yes. the right rhythms and pitches. But yeah. the, it really what, works, right? It really, I just last week, um, a, a composer on faculty here uh, gave us three pieces to record. Um, the first two he sent ahead of time, so we actually like rehearsed them and were ready on them. The third one, he he, he just didn't send me in beforehand, <laughs> and thankfully we got some really great takes at the beginning of the recording session, and we had. 15 minutes left at the end of the recording session. And so with the microphones running, I said, okay, read this. <laughs> Again, even in recording session, they knew that when I said read this, it they were on so syllables. Nice. And then we took the syllables off on the second read and got a recording worthy performance of it. Wow. Was it a great yes. recording? No. Like, you know, there were stray consonants and whatnot, right? They were like, you know, there were yeah. there were little choral details that weren't great. But was it a nice was it was it a good tone and accurate? And on both of those counts, yes. <laughs> it works. And you know, it's like in little instances like that where if people saw at the end of the academic year what you're able to do, they would go through the pain of the beginning of the academic year doing it the slow but pedagogically sound way but you know again with um sitting in one of the dr kruger's class over the summers someone asked uh you know someone asked a question how do you memorize the patterns because i think that's also a issue teachers are not concerned with i mean are not comfortable with mm -hmm. you know um rhythm syllables or soul fed syllables as well right well, you are, Phil. You I, are Chandler, right? Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah. like, if you aren't, I failed you. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I think you're right. If, if they weren't taught this way or if they weren't, like, not familiar with it, it's this whole going back to what we started with, this uncomfortable sensation mm -hmm. or uncomfortable, yeah. unfamiliar, and they don't yeah. want to do they, – they, also, I've never understood this, and maybe I'm crazy, but, like, the teachers who are, like – I'm correct. This is my classroom. I'm correct. And like are infallible in their classroom. That That's a huge problem for them because they, mm. they, they're more likely to make a mistake when they're doing yes. something brand new yes. or, or doing something that's unfamiliar. And so like, yes. I think that's also one of the reasons why it's not taught more often throughout is because that it's, it's just not, it's uncomfortable and scary to mm -hmm. be wrong in front of students. I actually find it a huge strength for me to be able to go, oh, I'm sorry, I messed up, or for my voice to crack, yep. because then I can turn around and go, y'all have heard my voice crack. It's okay if yours. Did I die? No, right. I didn't die. I didn't yep. spontaneously combust, so it's okay. <laughs> right. Yes. That's my favorite. That's my favorite one to say. Spontaneously, spontaneously combust. <laughs> yes. 
until it actually happens. Then, then we. Be, and then <laughs> I have not. manifested and spoken yes. it, spoken in it, spoken it into existence. Yes, but but, but I you're but so the, right. But the thing we're speaking to, and and something that I I really enjoyed speaking to my the fifth graders who graduated last year is that if you take the principles that we are applying here in music, that again I think I talked about this the last time we spoke. You know, you get this wrong this this time. We tried again. You know, if you couldn't yep. hear that these pitches went from low to high. Okay, we keep practicing in that. And next time, you will hear it. And guess what? When you go out there in the real world and, you know, this this fails or that fails, guess what? You don't quit. You try it again. You figure out what did you do wrong or you get the right tools in order to help you do it right. And and that's and I think that's the other thing that we're also teaching them is that okay the reason why we're successful is because we found good tools guys and so if yes. you are choir choir members um uh, <clears throat> new, I can't use words gender neutral term sorry um, we we are you we are using the right tools and so you we find your tools. And and every time yes. you find good tools, it will help you be successful. Yes, yes, it's so. Can true. I can I can I pose another question? I feel like we barely scratched the surface of that one, but yes, <laughs> you know we are. How far are we into this podcast? Oh, forty nine minutes. Okay, well this will force us to be succinct. Yes. Okay. So question. I have I have another question. Dr. Potter, you were able to hear my choir in the fall mm -hmm. in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and one of the comments you made was it was so refreshing to hear uh, a choir that was like free singing, like full, like mm -hmm. we'll, we'll call it American style or like this whole yeah. like idea of free. Um, why is it? Why do I feel like I am an outcast when I make my choir sound like that? Does that make sense? Like, why is that not common versus uh, why is the whole like on the off the breath, yes. like straight tone? Why is that yes. the norm now? I don't know. Because okay. I feel the same way. I I feel like an outcast. Um, just letting singers sing. And like human, it, human sounds and not tone generator sounds. When I, I listen to an Eastern European choir, if it's not done correctly, like, I'm, and I'm talking about like utterly perfect. Yes. It sounds sterile to me. It sounds yes. like there is lack, even if they're putting all emotion in it, it sounds to me like they're missing the human quality yes. in their choral tone. Yes. Now, I will say this. Teaching high school, I've noticed... That when I ask them to sing like that, it introduces more opportunity for intonation issues. It introduces oh, more opportunity for these negative question. qualities. Yes. And so I wonder if it's if the Eastern European sound is just popular because it's a means to an end and it's easier and I, I don't have to try and deal with. I do think among choral conductors, yes. Um Intonation, and you, this is not just at the high school level. This is at every level. 
Um, I mean, probably exacerbated at the younger levels, but yeah. this is at every level from, from, from your age to professional. If they're really singing with lots of core and lots of energy and lots of vitality and vibrancy, it is just harder to sing in tune. Intonation is the number one thing that goes. Um, and blend, they, you know that word, I, I've mm -hmm. always I've taught both of you that I really hate that word. Blend becomes an issue because unless you are blessed with a choir where everyone is a really strong singer or no one is a really strong singer. No, that's not a blessing. <laughs> the latter is not a blessing, only the former. Um, so there, there are things that, there are detriments, but I think it is exactly like the, our music literacy conversation, right? If you fight through and teach choral skills and teach ensemble singing while staying committed to, you know, now we're not talking about like music cognition pedagogically sound, now we're talking about vocal technique pedagogically sound. In the end, the result is better. In the beginning, the result is more painful. I just, I, I do believe that. Um, and then, then that's from the choral conductor's perspective. The reason it's so popular among non-choral musicians is that it just sounds so much more like pop singing, right? Mm -hmm. Straight mm -hmm. tone, like, like auto-tuned. It sounds like yeah. auto-tuned singing. So. I, I just wanted, I, I just, and so like, even when I went to that competition, I, I think I was docked some points in intonation and some blend and some other things. But I will say that I think I have a lot of healthy vocal technique singers that I would yeah. rather put up against other choirs. Like you could take mine and take her and like, you could hear. Okay. And it reminds me of this. I know that we're just rambling and talking. I listened to this other core, this other choral podcast called Choralosophy with Chris mm -hmm. Muntz. Yep. It's one of my favorites. I actually, anyway, um, I pay him 10 bucks a month because his information is so great. Like I, I just, wow. it's, it's amazing. And too. so, um, he, um, he talks about this in some of his, some of his videos. He talks about ultimately he thinks about it. If you're not making your kids sing individually, and mm -hmm. if you're not teaching the kid how to be a better singer, your choir is suffering. And yeah. so I have gone, like, it has changed my perspective from, oh, that they'll be fine. They'll listen to this other singer who's really strong. They'll be, and I'm going, no, no, no. Yeah. They should be able to do it just like that other, just like that senior is. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I'm going through, mm -hmm. like, next year, I probably will get Sight Singing Factory for all of my students because we're a one to one and they have Chromebooks. And I'm probably going to try and do, like, they have weekly sight singing. Like, they're going to hate it. And they're going to rumble and moan and be like, I can't record myself. La, 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 la. And I know they are. But on the other end, well, they're on the other end, they'll be like, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, and yeah. so and I, I remember that. And I remember that I will not for 95% of them, I will be the only voice teacher they have. Exactly. So it, it, it's my responsibility to make them better singers. Yes. And if all the, if their only voice teacher that they ever have is constantly telling them to go, everything just, <laughs> ah, they won't be able to do anything. Right? No. They can't be in musical theater. They can't be in their community choir. They can't really contribute to their church choir. They can't. All that, that, the only 
the person that serves that that sound serves most is the ego of the high school teacher mm-hmm. who has a really who has a choir who sings really well in tune with really fantastic blend mm-hmm. the let, let me ask this question though so cuz so I remember I remember Adam you saying one time before we you know maybe we had went too long just with the rough edges of that I mean of course to get to to get to a healthy to get the choir to a comfortable place where they were comfortable with their voice so like where is that or how uh, close to the concert you know do you wait yes right well and it it changes with every mm-hmm. concert it changes with rep- specific repertoire it changes every year depending on the singers in the room it changes during the course of the year depending on like this is true at the college level especially right i've just listened to two days of voice juries all day long that mm. these these students sing so much better at the end of their sophomore year than they do at the beginning of their sophomore year right so even this this changes during the course of a single year with the same singers um so yeah i don't get it right all the time but you just have to trust your ears you have to trust your ears and you have to trust your instincts and you just have to pray that you get the you know you begin honing that sound at the right time um and you know it is the kind of thing that builds year over year over year when i first came to roberts there there was not this ro- there was no really robust singing in the choral setting and then you know, like the pendulum probably swung too far in one direction now though five years later i am getting to the place where i no longer have to say things like simplify the tone or sense of vibrato or all of that i simply do this with my hands and all of those sopranos know that when Dr. Potter's hands are horizontal, they need to sing straight tone. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't, they don't, I don't have to say that either. Mm-hmm. The younger singers hear that from the older singers and they just pick it up. Okay. Quick. It's still the same topic. Um, do you think, uh, I have heard in the past in other higher ed um, departments that there is animosity between the choral conductor and the vo- the vocal faculty. Do you think that animosity comes from making the singers sing in this Eastern European style and not allowing them to have this? Okay, let's put sound. Uh, the answer is yes, but let's not put the entire onus on the choral faculty. Okay, voice teachers can can be pretty right, like. Yes. There, right. Okay. So, uh, for instance, if someone like me programs a Renaissance motet and insists that for this one piece that is only six minutes long out of an hour and a half of music, we will sing without vibrato, the, the voice teachers could either be real jerks about it and well, I'm teaching my singers to sing with vibrato throughout every note blah, blah 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 you're going to blah 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 okay right like no respect for the fact that this is just performance practice no respect for the fact that I chose to only program six minutes of that not an hour and a half of that but like no reasonableness voice teachers can be that way right all musicians are crazy so voice teachers can be that way and so some of the onus can be put on them right they want 
me to sing Palestrina like the Met Opera Chorus? Well, that's not going to work. <laughs> On the other hand, yes, I think choral conductors share a big burden of that. If they are asking for Palestrina and Brahms and Dan Forrest to sound, all sound the same, a colorless Eastern European, totally without vibrancy sound, off the breath, then you're just asking to be the enemy of your voice teacher colleagues. Do you think the pendulum will swing the other way at some point back to... Back to like the classic American sound pre 21st yeah. century. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> okay. I don't know so. I can't prophesy. I think what it takes is for exemplars to be in place for, right? We. We don't know what we don't know. We what was the phrase that I, we can't? We can't be what we can't see is the the phrase, right? We can't be what we can't see. We can't imagine what we have never known. Right. Um, so we are now in a place in choral music in America, where the hundred best choirs are all they all sound pretty similar. Um, and that in that's the in vogue sound, right? I don't have one of the top 100 choirs in America. I am working my butt off to get there, but <laughs> I right like until people uh, you know are exposed to that, they won't know it, right? It was it was like in the middle to late 20th century when the American choral sound, right? Like there's probably some dude out there who's like, well, what if I did want to do Palestrina straight tone to sound more historically correct? And everyone was ignoring him until, mm. you know, the the Estonian Philharmonic Chamber Choir came on tour to the United States and was like, look, we're doing this. And they were like, oh, wow, that St. Olaf Choir has been doing that. I would go to hear them on tour. And then there, it takes... It takes... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not making any sense because it's my brain. But yeah, you, okay. you, I don't know if our audience can discern what I'm saying, but you two know I, what I'm yeah. saying. We yes. can't be what we can't see. And so the pendulum, in order for it to shift back toward a more vibrant, for lack of a better word, um, sound, it will take someone doing it at a really high level and that someone and her or his choir having exposure out in and that is it's a little bit of a fight right because mm -hmm. like where do choral conductors hear really great choirs acda conferences how do you sing at an acda conference you are selected based on your blind recording who is selecting the blind recordings all of these people who love straight tone singing so what kind of choirs do they choose to sing at acda the same kind of you get but it's it is a difficult yes. cycle to break so you should just get a choir who can sing straight tone for the audition and then once you do the audition you you show up and just rock the house with this vibrancy well i you know you 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 joke but um i 
<laughs> I shouldn't say who because I don't have permission to share this story, but uh, a choir that made a huge splash at an ACDA conference back in 2000, I can't remember, it was a national ACDA, it was when I was younger, pre, pre, I think it was before I did, went to do my doctorate, national ACDA conference, um, totally brought down the house because there's, they did a variety of styles and used incredibly varied vocal tones. They did a, like a shape note piece with like, right? They did a Rachmaninoff uh, motet in like big Russian booming sound. They did some early music. They did the, they, they did all of that variety of tone colors. Um, and the director told me that he had been trying, he, you know, late middle-aged, uh, he had been trying his whole career to get his choir into an ACDA conference and they never had been selected until he sent a recording of the three most vanilla pieces that they had <laughs> ever done, right? With just like this very default, very, what is, what is expected? So there is a little bit of difficulty in breaking outside the box in terms of choral aesthetic. It, but I, I we gonna we gotta wrap up. I think we I, never, I, this is such a great conversation. It, just like we said the first time we had Chandler on, we right. need to have him on again. We so, do. Chandler, yes, that way I you, that way I can break into the yes, three. You might yes. be the first member of the three timer club. <laughs> but you, yes. but, you, but you know what? This is something I've been thinking about. Like we, um, because I think. That at some point maybe you just have to create a new club or you have to be an outsider with your other outsiders until you become insiders you know in this mm -hmm. you know not in this like weird you know cult way but like and until like this is, i mean this is healthy right this is good this is a good thing and and then so until and people respond to that like you like you just like the example you just gave and people responded to us, you know, like and 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 every choir that I've been a part of with you, like people have responded to beautiful mm -hmm. singing and they and they it, they've been moved by it. And so maybe like we just have to be like, we're going to be over here. And if you all want to join us and sing this way, join join us over here because this is where we're going to be. You know, I don't know. Just, yes. Chandler, do you have yes. a, one last thought before we close today? Uh, <laughs> no pressure. One you last don't have thought. To. One last thought, or like one last piece of wisdom, or one last any. Okay, so I, okay, it's important, so I'm going to say it again. If okay. we're not learning, we're dying. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Lifelong learning. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, don't great. be afraid to fail. Because it's yes. only through failure that we learn. Yes. Great. Well, yes. it's not only. You can learn through success. But, but it's mostly <laughs> from failure. Yeah. I can't tell yeah. you how much. I mean, I'm a young teacher. Do you know how many, how many mistakes I made? Making. I am making throughout this thing. And I'm getting, like, I'm learning. And so I'm yep. getting better through the failure. Yep. yep. Mistakes. Yes. 
wisdom right there phil that's why we have chandler on that's that's exactly why i was like man we got to bring this back you know last last time there was so much it was so great to catch up and i really keep saying we we have to figure out a time where i can you know sit at a real table drink coffee or something else that is fermented and in you know have some conversation (laughs) (laughs) i'm yeah that would be so much fun. I'm totally down. Uh, uh, why don't we do a Delta State Corral reunion? Hello. We sh- okay, we'll talk off the air. <gasps> anyway, <laughs> Phil, do you have anything else for the, what's my phrase? For the good of the, good of the order. order? Yeah, I, for the good I, of the order. I guess we should, do we want to, sk- to skip over current events and what we learned today? Well, we're, let me look. We're at almost an hour and 10 minutes and we usually aim for a 45 minute episode so um sorry okay. don't don't be sorry this is a fantastic no. conversation i love this okay. we had to get out of our system since we have gone to just recording once a month yeah right yeah. phil i think yeah. we yeah we can we can kind of bend the rules a little bit but let's uh let's maybe uh yeah i do you want to do current events phil um, I don't have to do current events, but maybe we like maybe we could talk about what we learned, you and I. And if Chandler wants to ag- add one more thought before we go, then we could. Do oh no, that. I don't have to. I-, I would love to hear what you learned if I gave you anything. Of course you did, Chandler. Of course you did. Um, I, I'm going to go back to the question that you posited because i feel like we just scratched the surface and then we like went down a bunch of rabbit trails all of which were delightful right i I really enjoyed running those trails um but they did not get us to a complete understanding of your question um so your question about how do i get people besides my singers my singers it's easier to convince they experience the music they experience the process they value it how do I get the audience to value what we are doing? And I don't know the, the full answer, but what I learned is I need to think more about that. All right, Phil, your turn. Um, I think, um, yeah, the, the com- finding community part is 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 something that i'm that i'm gonna keep reflecting on it's something that i like because during the pandemic we did it virtually and they're mm-hmm. like we're doing it virtually now which is great because we're all in different places um but like getting finding that community part and so like he, listening to you talk about it chandler i'm like i really need to i need to do more i need to to, to make be more intentional about getting in physical spaces with other choral educators. Mm. Yes. All right, Chandler, how about you? One last nugget of wisdom before we sign off. Uh, I learned that... I learned that not everybody has the answers, but that doesn't mean it's not worth asking the question because in asking the question, you can find the answers. I know that sounds like a runaround. No, I love that. Yes. Okay. The, 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 another way of putting it, right? Like the answer 
is sometimes less important than the question. Than the question. Yeah. Or the yeah. act of asking it. Yes. Right. Exactly. All a yeah. part of lifelong learning. Stay yes. curious. Lifelong learning. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Phil, anything more for the good of the order now? No, I think we're sad. We're good. Until All the right. next well, time. All right. Well, Chandler, thank you again for joining us. And uh, I will say bye for now. Adios. Bye.